Coming up on this episode of the Unusable Podcast. Your robot programmer buddy. Mattress delivery hell. How long is 0.5 inches? You should know. Welcome to the Unusable Podcast, where we discuss the importance of user experience in technology and the world around us, and talk about great design that just works, or moan about it when it doesn't. Hello, Andrew. Hello, David. We're back on the sofa again. Yeah. For the first time in over a year. Yeah. This is where we used to record all our podcasts, isn't it? But obviously over the past year, we've been doing it separately via Zoom. Don't think anyone cares about this, to be honest. Well, I I care. It's not. It's nice to see you, David. It's yeah, nice to see yeah. You. It's it's. I suppose to me, it's important where my ass is right now. But to the people listening, they don't care where my <laughs> ass is. They just care about our voices. They probably don't care about that. No. Right. Uh, Shall I introduce myself? Yeah. Go on. I'm David Ball. I'm a front end web and app developer. I'm Andrew Waite, and I run a software product. What are we talking about today? Uh, well, we're going to talk about GitHub Copilot, which they recently announced. Okay. So I want to talk to you about GitHub Copilot. Mm-kay. Have you heard about that? No. Nope. They are billing this as your AI pair programmer. Oh, I have, I have heard of this. I saw a programmer post on Twitter a picture of a guy completely shooting himself in the head. <laughs> What was like a, a joke about it? Yeah, I think it's something that would potentially kill all programmers. What is it? It's an AI trained on open source code from GitHub. GitHub is this massive, obviously, online service where people store their code. Mm-hmm. They've taken at least some of that code that's mm-hmm. open source and they've fed it into a machine learning AI that's learned all about the code that's in these various projects. And it's now able to suggest code back to you. Suggest code Oh my so, god! So it's right. <laughs> so, so it's almost like you know, like the autocomplete on your phone, where you start typing a couple of letters. Yeah. Okay. And then it kind of somehow magically knows because it knows words I've written in the past. Yeah. Uh, so GitHub knows all code that's ever existed. Well, <laughs> not all code that's ever existed, but, but yeah, a huge chunk of it anyway. Yeah. So just imagine that it's just able to just go, "Hey, I've seen something like this before." Yeah. This is how it. This is. You've started it. This is how it finishes. Oh. And it kind of suggests that for you. Or you can write a comment. You could say, I want a function that reverses a string or whatever in a in a comment. And then it will just go, bam, there it is. Done it for you. But it doesn't know what you're going to write. I know it knows all code that's been written in the past, but it doesn't know what your code is going to be yet because you haven't written it yet. No. So you have to give it like a prompt as to what the functionality needs to be. So in all the examples, you know, people say, I want a function that validates the US phone number or whatever. And then it just goes ping and then it's just it's done that. You don't have to go off and go, well, oh God, what does the US phone number look like? How am I going to write a regex? Can I just get a regex that already exists from a reliable source? Oh uh, yeah. Okay. Whatever it is, you don't have to come up with that logical thought process. You just say, hey, I need this this function that does this thing and it will it will do it for you. That makes sense then. Something like regex, which is quite a complicated thing. It's a complicated thing, but it's been re- it's been written many times. Like the regex for identifying email address, for example. Yeah. It looks quite complicated, but actually it's probably the same in a lot of projects. The quality of the regex function that validates the email address is probably not what makes your project better than someone else's, is it? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's been done. So currently this only works in Visual Studio Code, and it's like a closed program at the minute. You have to apply to, to, to try it out. 
Okay. So I haven't got access yet, and I don't know anyone that has. And you know, all I know about it is from what I've seen on things like Twitter and what's on their own homepage and stuff like that. Okay. I don't really like programming stuff. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, if if there's someone or something, some clever AI that can tell me exactly what I need to program, then yeah, I'm all for it. It's probably like a time saver, right? It's yeah, not, it exactly. sounds quite cool. It sounds almost like futuristic. Well, exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. like you. It's like you've sort of got this little robot buddy who uh, who's helping you out. You can see why there's like uh, why there's a buzz around it, can't you? Yes. I mean, get get. You said a buddy helping you out. GitHub actually call it AI pair programming, right? Because pair programming is this thing where you get together two developers and you kind of work on a project together. And the idea idea is that you will will get to a better result by filling in each other's shortcomings in the project. Yeah. Well, imagine if you can do that, but without needing a second person, you know, you've got some some kind of AI thing that does it for you. It's like a little robot next to you going, you've done it wrong. Here's how you should do it instead. (laughs) (laughs) But I suppose like we've always from the Jetsons. Like from the Jet. Uh, yes, <laughs> I suppose we've always had computers being able to tell us that we've done things wrong. Yeah, you know, like saying there's a syntax error, that sort of thing. But actually, it's quite nice that it can suggest what to do instead. Yeah. I like that. That's proactive. Yeah. I mean, the other narrative that I've seen though is that this kind of like they're taking our jobs, kind of. Um... They took our jobs. Yeah, like people worried <laughs> that that suddenly this AI is going to mean that developers aren't required anymore. Well, you always need but, someone to instigate it, don't you? Yeah, to true. like start it. It's going to get it wrong, isn't this going to get it wrong? Well, okay, so that leads me into a couple of things that give me a bit of a pause for concern. Okay, well, what I mean by getting it wrong is the reason why that's important is because you need somebody to a human being to look at it, what this robot's come up with, and go, actually, that's not what we wanted. Yeah, because if this is perfectly clever and gets it right all the time. It will take our jobs probably, but you need it. To, you need someone with a human brain there to sort of nudge it in the right direction. Going, this isn't quite what we were looking for. It needs to be like this instead. I hundred I, percent I agree. So I got into reading the the FAQ that they've got on their homepage. Okay, people have got so many questions about this in terms of you know, do I own the code that it generates, for example? Oh, oh my there's, god, there's yeah, loads of, of stuff to think about. Yeah. but I'm going to just read a couple of snippets from that FAQ. Yeah, uh, and this is GitHub's response. So the code it suggests may not always work, or re- <laughs> or, e- or even make sense. Well, that's fine. A lot of the code that I write might not work <laughs> and might not make sense. <laughs> Uh, it's true, it's true. Uh, it says, while we're working hard to make GitHub Copilot better, code suggested by GitHub Copilot should be carefully tested, reviewed, and vetted like any other code. As the developer, you are always in charge. Right, yes. So it's like the developer is now the boss of this AI, whipping yes. the AI going, do some work. Yeah. Uh, little robot. The other thing that they say is GitHub Copilot doesn't actually test the code it suggests. So the code may not even compile or run. GitHub Copilot may suggest old or deprecated uses of libraries and languages. You can use the code anywhere, but you do so at your own risk. Oh, this is a problem then. So GitHub obviously has a repository of all of the code that's been written in the past. Now, a lot of that will be old code. Legacy code, yeah. Obviously, yeah. Things change and improve over time. Code changes and frameworks change. Presumably they've... I mean, you'd like you would hope that they've only fed in the examples that of the best code in the world. Like presumably they're not taking oh, all the code in the world. But that's I, a good point. But yeah. You don't know what their selection process was for 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 what they fed in as a training data set. If like ninety percent of the code in the world is terrible, I'm not saying it is, 
It probably is. But it probably is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, then that means... It's going to suggest 95% terrible code. Yeah. So the thing that got my brain worrying is how similar this is to Tesla Autopilot. There's a strong analogy there. The thing that drives your car? Yes. Right. Tesla's Autopilot is incredible, right? But it's not fully autonomous. You still have to have a human behind the wheel to take over... I see. ...when it goes wrong, right? So, yes. So, so it's good enough that most of the time it can drive itself... But you have to be watching that if a, if a human steps out and the car doesn't recognise that, that you need to step on the brakes. Yes. And you need to swerve around. Right, okay. So you as a programmer need to swerve around the bad code that it suggests. The problem is, though, that as we know, humans just learn... It's good enough that humans learn to kind of just trust it. You know, there's these stories, aren't there, of Tesla's crashing and the human had got out of the driving seat and sat in the back because <laughs> the car was driving itself and it was doing a good enough job. Right. And of course, the human wasn't there. Or even just, you know, the human was looking down at their phone and wasn't paying attention to the road. Yeah. Because it's the car does a good enough job most of the time that the human almost like switches off. Mm. I think the same's true with GitHub Copilot. I think that the human will almost switch off. I don't think the human's going to be vetting it as closely as they should be in all scenarios. Right. Okay. I think people will go, oh yeah, you know, the last 10 times I used Copilot, it worked fine. So uh, I'm sure that's fine what it suggested in this scenario as well. It looks about right. And, you know, I've tried it on these two cases. Um, but I bet it's fine. Let's let, let's roll with that. But at least a programmer could test it. They could it's test like an it. Exam- it but... If it could give you a good good enough example that the, the developer could then go, oh, yeah, that's good. That's good. I'll just change it slightly for my own means and then test it if it works good. Yeah, I, I like that. In theory, but I just, I wonder in reality how often people will just accept what it gives them and be too lazy to check. It's like copying and pasting an answer from Stack Overflow and just going, yes, that probably works. So how many times, I mean, developers do that all the time. It's quite a normal thing. It's not not even something I would say is to be frowned upon. You know, using Stack Overflow, it's a resource for programmers, right? I don't think there's anything to be embarrassed about. But you should... Check it, right? But how often oh, do people actually check it? How often do, or how often do people just go, ah, oh, I'm going to just trust that? <laughs> you know, in the real yeah. world, like we know what we're supposed to do, but I mean, the other thing is, much like in the Tesla scenario, you you stop being a driver and you start being a supervisor of of a driver, mm. and in this case, developers stop becoming coders and they start becoming supervisors of of code, right? And is that what did you get into the the web industry and the and sort of coding and stuff to supervise something else coding? I don't think you did. Like it no. saps it saps a lot of the fun out of the problem solving, doesn't it? Like no, I never really wanted to be a robot's boss. Or maybe I did. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like to me, to me, it saps a lot of the fun out of it. You know, you know, a lot of the fun is the the, the problem solving and the coming up with an elegant solution um, yeah. and just supervising something else and going. Yeah, yeah, you know, you came up with something better than I ever could. Again, well, well done, you. <laughs> like, is that fun? A like, robot will get promoted ahead of you. Then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then it'll, it'll be supervising you. Oh, great! Oh, great! Yeah, you thought, yeah, you thought of those cases that I hadn't thought of. Well done. Like, I mean, that's just not fun at all, is it? You, you're jealous of this robot already. <laughs> <laughs> robot jealousy. Yeah. Um, but it's right though. Like checking. Checking code is a lot less fun than actually problem solving and writing code, I think. Yes. For me, it is anyway. Yeah. I did not particularly get into this industry to to, to vet something that something else had generated. Mm. Um, yeah. That seems pretty boring to me. 
I personally, so so there's obviously lots of times in history where software has actually had life and death consequences, right? You know, we think mm. of we think of code that we write as like not having much impact. And I suppose in our case, it doesn't. We 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 write web apps, and you know there isn't too much scope for for actual real world or life threatening consequences from that. But you know, things like medical machines have software in them, right? If, mm. if if a medical machine goes wrong, it can have a life or death consequence. Yeah, of course. In- interfaces for uh, aeroplanes, things exactly. like that. Yeah. yeah. So I just think it's only a matter of time before there's a serious incident and there's an inquiry and they look back and they somehow trace it back to a piece of code that was written by an AI <laughs> and that nobody checked properly. Ooh, you know, yeah. the, the whole thing about the, the, the Boeing 737 MAX crashing. Do you, do you remember that recently? No. That's quite recently. So Boeing, the Boeing 737 had a number of crashes and they had to ground the whole fleet of aeroplanes. And people died, you know. And that was traced back to a software problem where this um, MCAS system was pushing the nose of the plane down. Um, so it was software. It well, was, there, was a chain, was, there was a chain of failures. Right? So it, it, it was a line of thing. code that wasn't correct. Well, it was, it was more than that, right? They, mm. they, they, there was a chain of failures that led up to it. So it wasn't yeah. one thing. But but yeah, you know, you can just imagine planes dropping out of the sky. They trace it back. What was it? Oh, the, the engineer at Boeing with, had, had relied on GitHub Copilot to write something. And, you know, it works 99.99% of the time. But once in a blue moon, the plane <laughs> goes out. But I just think, it, I genuinely think, you know, it's only a matter of time before something like that happens. If we're in, unless people are vigilant, and I and I and I don't think people will be that vigilant. Yeah. Um, well, hang on. Is this program writing the whole piece of software for you, or is it doing it like line by line? From the examples I've seen, it tends to write functions, right? So you might okay. say, "I want a function that can add two numbers together," right, and then okay. it would go budding, and it would like write that function for you, pretty much. So it's not writing whole applications. Yet. Oh, right. So you can't just tell it, "Oh, can you make?" Um, Facebook for me, please, and then go off, <laughs> go off for a coffee. Then you come back, and then it's made a, a complete clone of Facebook for you. I don't think so. I don't think it's that smart yet. Okay. I just, I um, think this will be used as a tool for suggesting stuff, for coming up with ideas that you might not have necessarily thought of. And if that, if I, it's used like that, I think that's fine. Don't get me wrong. I think in ninety nine percent of the cases, it's going to be a huge time saver, and it's going to be amazing. Yeah, but it, it's just that. 1% blind reliance on it that I think yeah. much like Tesla Autopilot yeah. 99.9% of the time it's amazing it's a self-driving car mm. this is insane right it drives itself but it's just that 0.01% of the time where it for whatever reason didn't recognise a pedestrian stepping out into the road and the person driving it wasn't watching and it mowed them down that concerns me and I don't think and obviously I don't think people are necessarily thinking about that um, yeah. the, the other thing just one more point um, from their FAQ that they say is the technical preview includes filters to block offensive words and avoid synthesizing suggestions in sen- sensitive contexts. Due to the pre-release nature of the underlying technology, GitHub Copilot may sometimes produce undesired outputs, including biased, discriminatory, abusive, or offensive outputs. Well, writing function names that swear words. <laughs> <laughs> What's it doing? Writing well, racist code, maybe. I don't know. Like, we've seen this before in AI and ML, haven't we? With things like, you know, systems that have fed in, you know, successful job applicants to then try you feed in a load of new CVs that you've never seen before and it tries to pick out the best candidates. But 
if your manual approach was biased, then the machine learning is going to be biased. Of course. So yeah. if there's bias in the code that exists in GitHub that it's been trained from, the code it generates is going to be biased. Mm -hmm. So a really simple example, we, we run into this all the time, don't we? In, in, a, in a web form, a simple kind of discriminatory example, a name input field that only allows, say, more than a certain number of characters. So for example, names with two letters, which are common in certain parts of the world, yeah. would be rejected as invalid. I see. So yeah, is yeah. GitHub Copilot going to suggest validating a name to at least a certain number of characters? Do you know what I mean? Like, so any field that has an error that says, oh no, your name needs to be at least three letters, it'll inherit all those problems. It, well, it might do. That, that's I don't think it necessarily will, but it's just it all depends on how good its training data is, doesn't it? So um, it's only going to be as good as the code that's, that, that's fed into it, yeah. Yeah, we, we just don't know what it will come out with, right? We don't know whether what it will come out with is offensive or biased or abusive or... Yeah. And, and, and I think there's a danger, again, of just taking what it says as read without actually vetting it and thinking mm. about it. So is this something that you would use? I, I've signed up for the Have you? trial program. Oh, right. I've not got access yet. Okay. But I'm quite excited to give it a go. Right, okay. Definitely want to give it a go. Um... And I can see it being really, really useful, actually. Can you see yourself using it? Yeah, I think I would use it because there's often times where I'm not the best program in the world. And the sort of things that I've been asked to do are usually things that have been done a million other times by a million other developers anyway. So in theory, I don't need to reinvent the wheel with my own custom crafted code i need something that's a robust solution that's already been written by somebody else and if that could suggest to me a robust solution that someone else has already written fine because it's ai you don't know the process of, that it's gone through to get to that solution it's not necessarily guaranteed to be code that someone else has written works it might have pulled together lines of code from other different from oh. five other places that don't work in combination so in that case it's rubbish so I, you'll have to vet that it actually does what it's supposed to do. Mm. It's not like taking something from a book or from a previous solution, which is verified and tested and robust. It might go, oh, I like that line from that project and I like that line from that project and I think I like these lines I'm going to merge those together to create my own new line of those there we go that'll do and uh, and it thinks that works maybe but it might not run but if it does run is it going to produce the right result and and like you've just said there like you you want to you want to trust it because you think it's going to have a better idea than you but it might have just done something completely rubbish so you can't just trust it like that, that I mean that that kind of proves my point in a way three two one Bad, Bad usability, usability nightmare. Hey, look, we can get it in time because we're oh, that, next to that each other. clipped a lot. That's going to sound That's terrible. Fine, don't worry about it. You've got one, apparently. Well, it's it's quite uh, possibly a little bit of a minor one, but oh. but it it, it minor usability nightmare. <laughs> it comes in, it comes in from um, some friends of mine, James and Claire. Oh yeah, who've recently ordered a new mattress. This is going to be minor, isn't it? This isn't going to be a major thing if it's about a luxurious mattress. <laughs> It's probably a first world problem. So they both work during the week. Yeah, of course. As yeah. teachers. And they had a message from the from the mattress company saying, would you like it delivered on this date? And the only option was to say yes or no. So they said no, because they were both going to be at work. Then they got instantly refunded. No. And then, and then, a, bit, <laughs> and then a bit later on, like some days later, they got another message saying, would you like it to be delivered on this date? And they went, no, we're at work again. And they just said no. And so the only option each time is not to see when the options are or to like specify a Saturday delivery or anything like that. It just keeps asking them like, is this day when you're at work okay? <laughs> and the only option is to say yes or no. 
is this company just going to keep doing this forever well, this is until they say yes? Well, this is what I'm wondering. Like, is it like, yeah, it's just, just never ending. They just keep going, no. Maybe they only work, deliver on work days. Five years down the line and uh, they still don't have this mattress. <laughs> <laughs> the company's still saying, are you available this week? No. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just thought that was a bit, a bit crappy. That's fairly poor, isn't it? I mean, what could the reasons for that be? I suppose the company just doesn't want to work at weekends. That's that's quite that's quite well, standard. My assumption, my assumption is that they probably have a certain day every so often where they're going to be in that vague vicinity. Oh, I see. Yeah. And so they basically, when they know they're going to be in that area, they go right. We're going to be in your area next Tuesday. Is that going to work? Yes or no. Yeah. And then if they know, it's not until like a week later when they go, all right, we're going to be in your area on Wednesday anyway. Like, does that work for you? Yeah. And so I think that's what's happening here. And they just keep saying no. But I don't know how they're ever going to break the cycle if they're always working in the week and unavailable. <laughs> like, like, I don't understand what's going to happen here. There's on- not really any sort of scope for feedback there, no. is there? There's no scope to say, hold on, we're at work every day of the week. It needs to be a weekend or after work time. Yeah, or even find out, like, can you do a weekend or... Yeah. Yeah, there's there's no information like that. You just don't know what day you're going to get next. Like, I guess they're probably hoping that if they say no often enough, eventually a weekend will come up. Yeah, yeah. But how many times do you say no before... Indefinitely. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, one of our other friends suggested changing the delivery address to their place of work. Oh, yeah. Because some, some people are lucky enough that their work will accept like a private package for them, right? Hang on, they're teachers. So this this mattress is just going well, to no, appear at the school. That was the brilliant thing. I was thinking just this like, giant mattress just arriving at a school and, and someone having to go, there's a mattress here for a teacher. And, and then what yeah, are they going to do? Just how ridiculous. Put a mattress in your car? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that, that doesn't work. No, but not that's, really. That's why I quite enjoyed that Yeah, <laughs> ludicrous suggestion. I've been trying to buy a new laptop recently. Okay. Right? And it's a... I mean, this is nothing to complain about, really. But I'm finding it so difficult. Because I, I want a new laptop. It's not a cheap one, but not like a... I don't want to spend too much. But I also... You want to be in the oh, sweet spot, right? I want to be in the sweet spot. I want a good one. And I, I'm going to say that I'm going to use it for work. But I'm pretty much going to use it just for gaming. Okay. Probably. I mean, work already... My, my, the company I work for already provide me a, a decent laptop that I use for work. This would just be for gaming, right? Yeah. And it's difficult to find a gaming laptop that doesn't look like it's been completely designed for teenage boys, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's got like... Multicoloured lights. Yeah, yeah. Fins. Fins. Black plastic. It's all black plastic. Yeah, I don't know why. Yeah. yeah. Black plastic, multicoloured lights, fins, weird like tribal pattern logos and things. Uh, or like sci-fi edges, yeah, things like that, yeah, and and that's all fine. But I don't know. I don't want to be too embarrassed if I if I take this to a coffee shop or something. Yeah, and I've, I've got like a teenager's laptop. Yeah, it's not good, <laughs> it's not a good look, is it? Anyway, there was this one that I was looking at, and it said it was fifteen point six inches. Yeah, right. Okay, well, that's like a fairly standard laptop size, isn't it? Well, it is, but I don't really know what fifteen point six inches is. Well, you know, right? I know this is this is a silly thing to sort of. It's fifteen inches and then point six of an inch. Okay, right. But is it point six of an inch? What is point six of an inch? Well, it's six. Is that over half? Is point six over half an inch? Because 
if you look at any ruler, there are like 15 notches between each inch. Oh, right. Okay. Right. So you, are you thinking like, is that six fifteenths or is it six tenths? Yeah, well, I'm confused already because between each centimetre, there are nine notches, right? So there's ten. No, there's ten. Well, there's nine so, notches. Yeah, ten so gaps. Ten, ten, ten gaps. Ten gaps. Ten millimetres yeah, yeah, yeah. in one centimetre. Correct. I'm completely on board with that. I understand that. I know that 0.5 centimetres is half a centimetre. Which is also five millimetres. Which is five millimetres. Yeah. Makes perfect sense to me. But on a ruler, yeah, there are, uh, what is there, 16 things in an inch. Oh, you said, you said 15 a minute ago. Oh, si- oh no, 15 fi- notches. 15 notches 16, on a ruler. 16 gaps. But 16 gaps. Right, okay, yeah. Right, okay. So 16th, not 15th, yeah. yeah so okay. does that mean that 0.5 is a quarter or does it mean it's a half an inch? See, I've thrown you, haven't I? Uh, yeah, I, I'm going to assume that 0.6 of an inch is... 0.6 of an inch is six tenths, as in like... What? What, six tenths? As in ignore the ruler, take a... Take I can't a... ignore a ruler. Rulers are the standard of measurements. <laughs> <laughs> but are you going to have to? A ruler is what I go to when I, when I want to visualise a, a measurement. Yeah, it is complete and utter horse poo, isn't it? Because I was confused about this, I looked at what... A ruler look like in America as well, and they they their rulers are different. Are they? Well, because they don't usually use centimeters. Okay. So as far as I know, a centimeter yeah, they, gauge is not likely yeah, to they be use on inches, right? Yeah. Okay. But between inches on an American ruler, they have seven notches, which means they've got eight mi- milli milli inches. Oh yeah, be, yeah, because they literally call them, don't they? It's it, they say like it's an eighth of an inch or a sixteenth of an inch. Those are things that people. So does that mean that point five? Is five of those notches? No. Right. Are you sure? Yeah, because if it's sixteenths, point five is going to be eight sixteenths, isn't it? But then or what are the notches four, for? Four eighths. If we can't trust the notches, if we can't trust a ruler, then what can we trust? Well, you can't. You yeah, I know what you mean. You can trust the ruler, but it's just. I suppose. I suppose the 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 blame here is on the laptop makers because they shouldn't say fifteen point six inch, should they? They say they should, should say fifteen say, and a half. Well, yeah, they should say fifteen and. Four eighths, or whatever. Oh, oh my god! Five eighths. That sounds something it's, sort it's of a, like it's a, it's a, from the Tudor period. <laughs> it's, a, it's a fifteen and five eighths laptop, <laughs> which sounds it does sound really old fashioned and rubbish, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, sounds like yeah, doesn't sound very high tech. Anyway, that just confuses me. And also, they uh, they, they measure the um, the diameter, not the diameter, so the the, the diagonal length. The, no, the the width of it is in centimeters. You know oh. the you know like the depth of the um, of the base, that's in centimetres. So it's all measured in centimetres and millimetres, except for the diagonal screen size. Which is done in inches. Yeah. But I, but the reason I think that they probably do that is more for like industry standard, because people, I think people vaguely want about a 15-inch laptop, or I want a 13-inch laptop, don't they? they if one maker suddenly start, came out and said, this is a, I don't know, whatever it is, like a, a 200 mil laptop, people would be like, oh God, 200 mil laptop, is that about 15 inches? Is that about 13 inches? That'd be worse. Because at least you know if you're looking for a 15-inch laptop, then you can just type that search term in or filter it down like that. I want the laptop to be about one foot. About a foot. About a foot. Maybe maybe I'll go as large <laughs> as uh, three hands. <laughs> <laughs> oh, using horse measurements for laptops. <laughs> I think we should start that trend. 5.9 cubits. That was like an ancient Egyptian thing, I think. Anyway, that's the end of the podcast. If you've seen or used something unusable recently, we want to hear about it. 
You can email us at podcast at theunusable.com and we're on Twitter at Unusable Podcast. If you've enjoyed this, there's plenty more. In the last episode, we talked about common UX mistakes to avoid. We've also got unusable t-shirts and hoodies available to buy on our website, which is podcast.theunusable.com. Music is by Gold5472. Please subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts so you'll get a notification about the next one. Okay, that's it. Until next time, bye. Bye. Bye.